Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. We're going to start, if you didn't get the text today, a series of a few weeks on the spirit of deception. The spirit of deception. This is going to be powerful. It's going to be important. It's going to be life-changing. I'm excited about what the Lord's put in my heart. I literally could probably go several months with this because of examples that I can use, but I want to pick a few that I'm going to go into tonight, and, and basically I'm going to read a, a verse here and, and, and a couple of verses to kind of give us a foundation. I'll read them over the next few weeks again. Um, how many believe tonight, let me see where I'm at, how many believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life? He's the only way to heaven. How many believe he is salvation? Okay. So we're on the right page, okay? Now, how many also believe that you could stop believing that? Right? You have to continue to believe that, correct? Our salvation hinges on our belief. And, and as we know today that we're in the last days, we know that, right? Everybody knows the days we're living in. Whether it's days, weeks, months, years, it's still last days, there's earthquakes, there's pestilence, there's famine, there's all these things that are going on. But, but did you know that the greatest sign today that we're seeing in the world of the return of Christ being so close is that word right there? Deception. 1 Timothy chapter 4, look at this with me, says, Now the Spirit, that's why I call this the Spirit of Deception, expressly says that in latter times... Some will depart from the faith. And that what that means is fall away, backslide, walk away from Jesus. Okay? And then it says, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Basically, what I want you to understand as we get into this is when, when the spirit of deception we're talking about is you, it's, it's not enough just to believe in Jesus, you have to know what you believe. And it's a, there's a foundation there, and what can happen is some people might still say they believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible. Now, now Jesus himself said this in Matthew 24. Watch this. Verse 3. They came and said, what, what, you've heard this many times. What's going to be some of the signs that were at the end? And, and all we know, although we know earthquakes and pests, all the things I just mentioned, watch what Jesus says is the number one sign. He says, he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him and said, when will these things be? What's the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And watch his answer. And Jesus said, take heed. The very first thing he says is take heed that no one what? Deceives you. That's the number one thing. How many know when, when, when you're answering a question, the first thing you say is the most important? That's his first answer. Don't let anybody deceive you. In other words, there's going to be, in the last days, a spirit of deception. And he says, for many will come in my name. And this is what I meant by knowing who Jesus is, saying I'm the Christ and will deceive many. And I'm not talking about those men that go out like David Koresh and say I'm Jesus. I'm not, I'm not talking about those kind of people. That's not who Jesus was talking about. He's talking about false doctrines, going back to 1 Timothy, doctrines of demons. 
where thing, people would add things to. Let me, let me just be blunt with you. I don't need to name names tonight, but there are religions tonight that exist that have been invented in the last couple hundred years that have doctrines of demons. They, 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 they come up to you and they say, hey, Jesus is Lord and we love you and we love this and we love that, and here's a book you should read. Full of doctrines of demons. Can we just call it like it is? And so lots of people are being deceived by those things, and, and that's, that's part of it. But there's also a spirit that wants to come along and cause us to be caught up in other things and walk away from our faith. There's a pastor, this is just one example, uh, that wrote a book in the 90s. If I, Some of you might, I didn't know who he was personally. Some of you might know who he was if I said his name. I did not. But he was a famous pastor, and he wrote a book in the 90s called, let me see if I can remember what it's called, uh, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And it was a number one bestseller, made lots of money on it, did very well, lots of people bought it, and the book was about teaching people to uh, date correctly and actually what we call courting, not to kiss till they got married, all kinds, just, just really straightforward, righteous things about, uh, you know, not just dating to date, but whoever you're with that you would marry, and the book was really good, really good book. So he wrote that book, and then he pastored for 17 years, and in 2019, he said, I don't believe what I wrote in that book anymore, and I don't believe in marriage anymore, and he divorced his wife of 20-something years, and now he's at all kinds of LGBT parades, and he's working for a secular job, and he says, I'm no longer a Christian. That's exactly what this is about. That somebody could write a book, and here, here's what's crazy. Not only did he disown what he wrote, I mean, how can you say, I don't agree anymore with morals? I mean, that book, even if you're not a Christian, is a good book. It's about waiting to have sex till you're married. It's about being pure and treating the other person. He says, I don't believe any of that stuff. And he walked away from it, and I went and looked at his Instagram today, and he is still as lost as he was in 2019. He wants nothing to do with God. You, you cannot tell me that at some point he did not have a revelation of who Jesus was. He preached him for many years. He fell to the spirit of deception. And what Jesus is saying is in the last days, more and more people are going to fall away. Now, this is important. How many know what apostasy means? Okay, you should know because I just told it to you. That's just another word for falling away, okay? In your Bible, if you have your Bible with you, how many have your physical Bibles? Go back to 1 Timothy 4 right there, and you'll probably see before the first verse, the great apostasy. You see that? That's what falling away means. It means people are going to fall away from their faith. And so there's going to be, so somebody who, that pastor that I'm talking about is an apostate. He is somebody who has walked away from his faith and no, no longer believes. Now pay attention to what I'm going to tell you. So an, an, unbe- an apostate can be an unbeliever, but it doesn't mean that every unbeliever is an apostate. Now to make, that sen- make sense of that, here's what I want you to understand. Everybody who is an unbeliever doesn't believe, but somebody who has known Christ is an apostate because they have left the truth. You can't, in other words, you can't fall away from something you never knew. So he's not talking that this is a, pay attention, he's not talking that this is a sign to the world that the world's going to be keep doing, the world does what the world does. He's saying in the church, there's going to be a great falling away. 
And the spirit of, now this doesn't mean that in the last days, all of a sudden, the spirit of deception's around. The spirit of deception's been around since Adam and Eve. So it's always been around. But what he's saying is, there's going to be a lot of people who have claimed to be believers walking away from their faith. And then, if they're not as blatant to walk away from their faith, how many would agree with me tonight that there are, unfortunately, lots and lots of churches around the world that are preaching a gospel that is not the gospel Jesus preached? Would you agree with me on that? We're not trying to stand here tonight and say we're better than anybody. We're trying our best to preach the gospel like it is. Unadulterated, straight from the word. We don't want to be the people who are apostate. We don't want to be the people who fall away. That's why we have a Wednesday night service like this. That's why we're here, because we don't want to fall away. If we've ever needed to be in church, it's now. Do you believe that? If we've ever needed to be in fellowship with believers, it's now. We've got to get in the house together with other believers and hear the word of God because there's a spirit that is moving strong, knowing its time is short to deceive as many as possible. And listen, he doesn't have to deceive people who don't know who he is. I'm talking about the devil. He doesn't have to mess with people who already don't believe. They already don't believe. Jesus said there's going to be an attack on my church. And then he says, and listen, by the way, disclaimer, this series is not to scare us. It's to warn us, to keep us watching, to keep us looking, to keep us understanding that that, that, that sign is something that is rampant right now. And we need to be thankful that we're in a place that's trying to preach the truth. Can I get an Amen. So Jesus says this specifically, that there's going to be a great falling away. That's just one example. And so deception leads to apostasy. Okay, he says, many will come. Many will come in my name saying I'm the Christ and deceive me, people, many. People, this is people who claim to follow Jesus, but then turn their backs on him. You know that Peter did that? I'm going to throw Peter in there for a second tonight because we're going to talk about somebody, and I'm going I'm to go ahead and tell you right now who it is. We're going to talk about Judas. One of, the, one of the biggest characters in the Bible, maybe one of the most misunderstood. But before we get there, I want, I want to say this, and I didn't have this in my notes, and I feel like this is really important. Peter was deceived. But how did Peter end up? Good. He ended up good. Not just good, he ended up powerful, okay? Right? But we understand that for a moment, there were... Peter fell to the very spirit that Jesus was talking about because he, he turned his back on Jesus. There, 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 we know that the three times he denies him, he, he says, well, you were with him. I don't know who he is. Turned his back. This is what I'm talking about. It's not just not believing. It's turning their back on Jesus, being ashamed of Jesus. And so we see, here's the great thing. I want, I want you to get out of this as we get into this. That the spirit of deception is real, but it doesn't have to affect us. We don't have to fall to it. We have to be the ones that says, not me. That's the attitude we need to have. Not me. I'm not going to be that one. I'm not going to be like Peter. I'm not going to be like Judas. I'm going to make it. Tell the person next to you, I'm going to make it. How many are going to make it tonight? 
And we're going to help each other make it. So many people, the reason I say that is that every apostate is an unbeliever, but not every unbeliever is an apostate. In other words, there are lots of people who have never believed, so they can't walk away from something that they have never believed in or been a part of. But I, I believe outside of Adam and Eve, there's one person that was more deceived than anybody in the whole Bible, and that was Judas. And we're going to get into a few things about him that I want you to see. And so we know that he was known and is known today as the betrayer. I don't want to be known as the betrayer. I don't want that next to my name. But he's known today, thousands of years later, as the betrayer. And in John 13, we're going to pick up, if you want to look at quite a few verses. John 13, Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. Verse 21 and it's the last, going into the Last Supper, he's, he's showing his disciples the humility of who he is. And he's washing his disciples' feet. And we know the story that he goes to Peter and he says, Peter, I need to wash your feet. And Peter says, no, Lord, you can't wash my feet. And he was doing it with the right attitude. But Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you can't be a part. Wash everything, Lord. Wash it all. Wash my head. Wash my feet. Wash my hands. Wash everything. Okay? And then in that same story... He goes and he says, when Jesus had said these things, now this is very important, he was troubled in his spirit. Has anybody here ever been troubled in your spirit? Now, I'm not just talking about, there's lots of general things, but I'm going to make this more specific. Have you been troubled in your spirit for somebody? Somebody you know. There's, how many know there's a difference tonight? Holy Spirit's given me some things. How many know there's a difference between the trouble you can sense for somebody that you're trying to get to, follow, to, to, to know Jesus and be saved and the trouble of somebody who you know knew Jesus and has walked away? Does anybody recognize the difference? It's a big difference. They both need Jesus, but there's something horrible and sad and troubling about somebody, as Hebrew says, has tasted the goodness of God, and walked away from it. There's a big difference. What do I tell you guys all the time? Every service you come to, you become more accountable to the Word of God because you're listening to it. So you're already in, can't stop now, but every time you come, you learn more, and you're more responsible for what you're learning. So Jesus is troubled in his spirit because he knows that somebody he loves is doing something wrong. And he says, most assuredly, I say to you, and I, it's just so interesting that he says that, that he, he didn't just say it, he was troubled. I sent that verse out today. Jesus wept. When he wept for Lazarus, it was a totally different kind of weep. It was, it was because he had died. This is a spiritual death. And he says, I say to you, one of you, now, I want you to stay here for a second, Joy. Don't change it, because I, I want us to get in this story. One of you will betray me. Tonight, in this service, if you want to know, here's a, here's a good test. If you want to know if your heart's right with God, if I were to say that tonight, I say, I feel the Lord is speaking through me, and I'm not, I'm just saying this is an example, and the Lord is telling me, one of you tonight is not going to make heaven your home. Your reaction tells everything to that statement. 
Would you just listen to it and just let it go by? Or would something inside of you say, Lord, please don't let that be me? Amen? That, that's the attitude God wants us to have in our walk with him. Not me. Please, Lord, don't let it be me that you're talking to. So he says this statement, and it's very important. We're going to show you why in a second. Let's go to the next verse. And then the disciples looked at one another. And we're going to come back to this because one of the things that's cool about the Gospels is how every Gospel has a different angle. They're perplexed about what he spoke. Okay? So, so why? Let's take that down. Why? Why, why is somebody going to betray Jesus? Now, this is very important, too. This is, this is Doctrine 101, and you don't have to agree with me, but I believe this with all my heart, and I'll give you verses to, to prove it. I do not believe, and I want to make this clear, biblically, in what today is called Calvinism. Which, by the way, I did not even know its name till I moved to Texas. I've been saved for 30 years. I didn't know what Calvinism was till I came to Texas. And it has many moving parts, but one of the biggest ones is that, that God chooses and predestines who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. Okay? That's what Calvinism is. And listen, you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to, you don't have to say amen. But if you know somebody who's in that, pray for them. If you are involved in any teachings in your life that teach that, get away from them. That is not the character of God. And so, why, why I say that is, why would Judas betray Jesus? And many would say, well, in the book of Jeremiah, it was prophesied that he would do it. That's why. Because from the day that Judas was born, he was predestined to betray Jesus. That is not true. That's not true, church. Do you understand that? It's very important that you understand that. There's a difference between God using somebody like Pharaoh that he knows is gonna, has already hardened their heart and him hardening Pharaoh's heart because he doesn't want Pharaoh to go to heaven. Do you understand the difference? It's very important. This is a, this is a big part of the spirit of deception. To think that there is a God in heaven that would create somebody for hell. Not possible. You have to take away too many verses. You have to change to, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that some people would go to heaven and be saved that he already predestined and the rest would go to hell and burn and never have a chance to make a choice. Are you with me? By the way, none of this is in my notes. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. Okay, I'm going off just a little bit, but I'm staying in at the same time. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I want you to understand how important it is of the why. Why did Judas betray Jesus? And I'm just going to give you the answer. How many like the answers at the end of the book? Pastor Paul mentioned that in discipleship. How many like it when there's answers at the back of the book? Or very, at least multiple choice. You have a 25% chance of being right. But I like it better when they're at the I'm going to give you the answer. Judas had a choice. Okay, Judas had a choice. You have a choice. Everybody has a choice. And we get to choose, as Exodus says, I've placed before you today life. I've placed before you today death. Choose life. So the why is very important. 
Why do we begin to be deceived? Write this down. Big, big word, important word, motives. What are our motives? As you begin to study, and as we're listening to this, this we should be, in this series, we should be relating ourselves to every person that I'm going to use in this example. It's very clear to see, because we don't know a lot about Judas other than what we know, because it's, more, it's most likely that Judas, and we know even more than most likely because of how he, tur- he had turned out, that he came into the, to the, to the following of Jesus with the wrong motives. And we see many times in Scripture proof of that, where his heart wasn't right, his motives weren't right. But we also see, as I just told you, Peter also having the wrong motives and having the wrong ideas. But Peter turned out right. So we can be deceived, we can be led astray, we can be tempted, but we can come back, thank God, to the truth. We can come back and get back on track. We can get right again. That's why his mercies are new every morning, and great is his faithfulness. So you need to ask yourself tonight a simple question that only you can answer. Why do you serve God? Why do you love God? Why do you come to church? Why, why, why? And if there's any religion there, if there's any check the box there, you got to get rid of those things. And you first and foremost got to remember one of the easiest verses in the Bible in 1 John 4 says, we love God because he first loved us. First and foremost, I'm in love with Jesus because he loved me enough to die for me. That's where it all starts. If you don't start with that, you're not going to end up good. If you come to Jesus, possibly Judas came to Jesus because there was a time of the Roman Empire and, and, and even though Jesus called him, and even though Jesus allowed him to follow him, his motives weren't right. But how many know that he sat there with Jesus for three and a half years? Has anybody here ever done what I used to say, and I say used to say, that would say, I wish I could have walked with Jesus? I used to say that. I don't say it anymore. And there's still a part of me that obviously would have loved to have been there. But I'm thankful that I have the finished book. I'm thankful that I was born when I was born because I could have missed him. Just like so many people did, including Judas, who sat with Jesus for three and a half years. But he still had a choice. So what was his motives? Now, the reason I say this, I want to begin to tie this together, is we saw there in John that Jesus is saying, one of you is going to betray me. It's important to know he already knew who. Okay? It's important to know he knew who, but he didn't choose that he would. For somebody that's never been here before, I'm going to share with you something that, and how many know we never stop learning? I heard something not even that long ago in the last few years that really gave me a, a, a tremendous jump in my understanding of God. And it was the whole idea of a parade. Some of you have heard me say this recently. We can only see in our lives what we see in front of us. We can see a little bit that way and we can see a little bit this way. We can't see the end. We can't see the beginning. God sees it all. Okay? When you're at a parade, which is our life, we can only see so far, we see what we see. But God is outside of the parade. God is up, in, to say this in a generic sense, is in the blimp. He's above the parade. 
He sees the beginning from the end. He sees the whole thing. And so nothing catches him by surprise because he's already been to the end. I am the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last who was and is and is to come. Same yesterday, day, and forever. So he's always been. So he sees things we don't see. And so in the beginning, when he created everything, he saw the end of what everyone was going to do. But he could have just changed his mind and said, you know what? I'm gonna, instead of waiting till 2023 for AI, I'm going to make AI now. And everybody will just be robots. That won't be very much fun for me because then people won't love me because they want to. They'll love me because I made them love me. So he gave us free will. And then he saw from the beginning everything that was going to happen. Nothing that happened was something that was a surprise to him. So when Jeremiah was written, it was prophesying what Judas was going to do. And when Judas was about to do it, Jesus was prophesying that he was going to do it because it was already written. Not that he said he was going to do it, but because he knew he was. Is everybody following me on that? It's important to understand that. So he's saying, one of you is going to betray me. And then we go to, to, if you read later, Mark 14 and Matthew 26, if you want to read those specifically later, Mark 14, Matthew 26, because they're different accounts. But I want to look at Luke 22, if you'll put that up on the screen. Then Satan entered Judas. Then Satan entered Judas. Satan was not already in Judas. We're born with a sin nature, but we're not born with Satan in us. And here's the thing I love. I, I appreciate someone in this church that gave me a, chrono, a lot of chronological Bible. You're a radical. If you don't have a chronological Bible, you should get one. So powerful. So powerful. Because it's written in your pages exactly just like it says, chronologically as it happens. And as I was studying this out to confirm what I believe, as I saw in these other Gospels where Jesus is saying, you're going to betray me, in the chronological Bible, Jesus, or sorry, Judas had already gone to the people to talk about the silver before the Last Supper. You all following that? So he had already done it. He had already gone and talked to them. So chronologically, we see that Judas had already had Satan enter. And, and how many know that Satan can't enter somebody unless they open the door? I don't have time tonight in one message about Judas to explain to you how, but here's how. Little by little, little by little, you start to open up doors. That's why we talk so much, church, and I can't spend too much time on tonight, about what we watch, what we listen to, the things that we allow to come into our eyes and our ears, because they're influences that can cause us to be deceived. We have to be careful about that. And so along the way, we, and we're going to see this in, in a second, Judas begins to make some mistakes. So it says, Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot. That's just where he was from, by the way. Who was born here in the Metroplex, in that, this area? They would say Adrian from Dallas. That's all that means. Okay? And, and it says, who was numbered among the twelve, so he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. 
and they were glad and agreed to give him money, so he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. So when Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me, he's speaking as a human and as God. Humanly, he knows in his spirit, someone's going to betray him. As God, he already knew he was going to do it, but he didn't make him do it. Is everybody clear on that? Okay, so he's already done it. He's already talked to these people. So it's kind of like when you go to talk to somebody and deal with something, and you're going to ask them, did you do it? But they already did it, and all you're looking for is a a what? Confession. Right? This is exactly what Jesus is doing. And by the way, in our lives, in our walks with God, we need to be ready and willing to confess quickly and often. We're forgiven of our sins because we confess them. How many are still here? So Judas had already been possessed by the devil and betrayed Jesus before he said, one of you will betray me tonight. So again, I want to make this clear. Jesus didn't say that because he was making him do it. It's because he knew he had already had. So write this down. Judas was deceived. Judas was deceived. He fell into the spirit of deception. Let me make this clear. How many disciples did Jesus have? How many fell to the spirit of deception? Okay. Here, let me make this clear. If we were living, so today, if we had 12, if Jesus had, I'm just going to put it to 2023. He's basically saying in the end times, the last days, that wouldn't be one person. It'd be five. It'd be much more. Does that make sense? There'd be many more than just one. In other words, let's say a couple hundred years ago, if you were to go do church history, when our country started, let's go into the 1800s. I don't know the percentage, but we can find it out. I guarantee you a large majority of the population of the United States went to church on Sunday mornings. A large population. I would, I, someone can go look at it later. Don't look at it right now, please. I have looked some, but I haven't extensively looked. I would say, without any doubt, it, it would probably be close to 80% of the population of the United States in the 1800s went to church on a, on a weekly basis. Does that make sense? And now as 1900s came, and now we're into the 2000s, less and less people are going to church. Not only that, in this country, other religions are more rampant. More religions exist in the country today and are accepted in the sense of popularity than they were back then because the reason this nation was founded was on the Word of God. We forget what, we're, what, we're, what our, our heritage is. Are you all following me? The Bible wasn't written about us, but I'm giving you an example. I'm trying to show you what he would mean. Only one out of 12. Today it might be five because the spirit of deception is so strong. Now look at John chapter 12. Let's look at one example, and let's relate ourselves to this of Judas's beginning of deception. Verse 3, John chapter 12. Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Remember this story? She's coming in and she's, she's, she's crashing the party. She's crashing the gathering. 
And she has this very expensive, they would understand this better, very expensive oil. And it's so strong that the house is filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who what? Would betray him. Even the, even the Bible tells us this. There's still a possibility there. Who would betray him said, look what he says. Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii? Now don't move, this, don't move it to the next verse yet. And given to the poor. Good answer. Good answer, right? Good answer. Good religious answer. We, we have the book written so we can understand this today. Some of the guys might have been like, whoa, good answer, Judas. Yeah, why, Jesus? I mean, we could have done something great with this. We could have. But see, the problem is, is he wasn't doing that because he wanted to help the poor. We know the story because the Bible's written. He was taking money from the treasury. He was the treasurer. And let me just throw something in here for a second. This will be another message later. This is why the love of money is the root of all evil. Anytime you see anybody fail, I guarantee you money's going to be involved somehow. Somehow. Maybe it's a small, maybe it's a big, but it's going to be involved. Judas loved money more than he loved Jesus. Y'all with me? Good answer, right? How many agree that that's a good answer? I mean, he responds by, Jesus, she shouldn't do that. She's wasting our funds. She's wasting our money. But the problem is his motives aren't right. Let's keep reading. Oh, that's it, right? I, I, it's because I have another verse. Verse 6. Did I give that to you? Okay, good. I'll read it. Listen to what verse 6 says. Do you have your Bibles there? Those that have their Bibles get to see it. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. So we, we see here that we, see, we know the end result. Judas is going to betray Jesus. But, but he didn't just wake up one day and go, I think I'll go make some money today. I need some more money. Let me go betray Jesus. The spirit of deception doesn't work that way. How many know with deception, it's, it's almost like magic? It's, it's like, hey, look over here. The other day with Briar, he's throwing something in my yard, and, I, and I'm not even a magician, but I was able to do a trick. It was this little piece of plumbing PVC. And he kept throwing it all over the yard. And I thought, hey, I'll just do a trick with him. So I, I had my hand over here. And I said, look, Briar, look at my hand. Look, Briar. And I'm waving my hand. And I had the little PVC in my other hand. And so he's looking over here. I'm deceiving him. He's looking at my open hand. And I said, he's looking for it. He's like, where is it? And I got an open hand. Look, Briar. And I went up with my other closed fist. Jose would like this. And I touched his ear. And I went, boom, look, Briar, this came out of your ear. Like, whoa, right, babe? And then what did he do? He stuck it in her ear. He stuck it in my ear. He stuck it in everybody's ear. 
That's how the devil works. He's doing something over here to catch you over here. That's why we have to stay watching. That's why Jesus said, watch. Watch. Stay alert. So his heart's not pure. Tonight, what do we, what do we need to do on a daily basis? Check our hearts. Not, a, not on Wednesdays, not on Sundays. Every day. Check our hearts. Check our motives. How do we avoid, how many would like, as I begin to close, like to avoid deception? How many smart people do I have in here? Let's look at Mark 14. Watch this. Here's the key. It's all pertaining to the same story. In the evening, he came with the 12. Remember, every gospel has its own, own angle. I love it. That's what makes the gospel so awesome. Do you realize, by the way, just a free thing here, if everybody said the same thing, it wouldn't be as real? Okay, just making sure you know that. That's what makes the gospel so valid. Is that if they said all the said same thing, it would be planned. Now, as they sat and ate, Jesus said, here's the same, same words, different book. Assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. See that? Do you see that? Here's the key to the whole message. How many like the most important part of a message? I try to make it easy for you. Here's the key to the whole message. Here's what we need to do. They began to be sorrowful. Who? All the ones who had the right heart. Everybody whose heart was pure was sad. That's what I told you in the beginning, remember? If I said one of you is going to betray Jesus, one of you is going to backslide, all of you should have said, God, please don't let it be me. Is it me? And look what they said. And to say to him, one by one, is it me? You see that? Is it me? And another said, Lord, is it me? But guess who was, guess who was the one that didn't say, is it me? The one who was going to betray him. But watch this. Could he have? Could he have? Over here, could he have said, is it me? With the right heart? Yes. He could have repented right there. All along the way, the devil will tell you, you've already messed up. You've already gone too far. You've already made the mistake. You've already fallen in. Right there, Judas could have stood up. The story would be different. Only reason it's the story that we know is because it's what happened. Judas could have said, Lord, I just want to make a confession. You're saying one of us is going to betray you, and I was going to betray you. My hairs are standing up. That's the forgiveness of God. You with me? Do you believe what I'm saying? We say, no, because it was prophesied in Jeremiah. That's because God knows the end from the beginning. The story could have been different. How many know tonight, and I said this Sunday, our stories are different because someone talked to us about Jesus. And we're not in the place we're supposed to be tonight because of the grace and the mercy of God. Our story's different tonight. Is anybody here that shouldn't be here? All of us. He could have said, Lord, I was going to do it. Matter of fact, Lord, now that we know the story, I already did it. I already sold you for 30 pieces of silver. What would Jesus have done? What would Jesus have done? He would have forgave him. 
What did he say to that woman that was on her knees? Or is it, he's on his knees and they're about to throw rocks at her. Any of you that can perfect and can't and can't don't want to have any don't have any sin in your life? Throw the first stone. Again, drop the stones. And he said to him, to her, what do you say? Go and sin no more. Don't you think Jesus would have forgave Judas? Of course. What did he do? Is he any different than the one on the cross? This is so good. God's word is so good. How do, how do we keep this from being us? Daily examination. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. As to whether you're in the faith. Somewhere along the road, Judas stopped doing that. If he had ever done it. We don't know. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt that he did love Jesus. But we don't even know if he had the right motives in the first place. We don't know. But even so, there's that opportunity to check ourselves. What does it say there? Test yourselves. You know what we're good at rocking around doing? Testing each other. <laughs> Telling everybody else what they've done wrong. Jesus dealt with that. You've got to... You got a splinter, and he's got a splinter in his eye, and you got a big old two by four in yours, and you're telling him, right? Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. But he's not going to disqualify us. We disqualify ourselves by not examining ourselves. Keep his word. Okay, I'm telling you two things examine yourself. Keep his word. I'm not going to read the whole, but John 17 says to keep his word. And then the last part as we go back to what we read earlier of Mark 14, 20, sorry. It says he answered. I just kind of said all that in between the end of this verse. He answered and said, it is one of the 12 who dips with me in this dish. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. Watch this. This is very important. You have 21? Okay, I left that out on purpose too. Look at your Bibles. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. And listen to what he says. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. And then he says this, which proves that there's not predestination. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. It would have been good for that man if he'd never been born. Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. Okay? So to close, here's what Judas does. Here's another proof that he knew what he was doing and that he could have repented because he did what I call a half-repent. How many know anything half is not good? Half truth, half lie, half way, half effort, whatever. He does a, he does, y'all want to see his half repentance? Matthew 27, look at this. Verse 3. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was what? What was what? Repented, repentful. 
and, and, and brought back the 30 pieces of silver. That's a half repentance. Because he knew he was wrong, and he did the physical thing right, but he didn't do the spiritual. The spiritual is more important than the physical. He went to them and gave them the money, and look what they said. You don't have that either? Verse 4? Oh. Slow. Are you there? Okay. I have, watch what he says. I have sinned. By, he's, 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 does that look like repentance to you? Yeah, he's admitting it. I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they, but see, the problem is, pay attention. He said it to the wrong person. They didn't have any power to forgive him. They're just people, and they didn't care. Be careful who you repent to. Repent to someone who cares. Repent to someone who can do something about it. What is that to us? You see to it. Do what you want. We already gave you the money. We got what we wanted. Jesus. And look what he does. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hung himself. Half repentance. Half repentance. Let's not be half repentive. Let's repent. Let's examine ourselves. How many know tonight, if you, know, if you believe in the same God that I believe in, that even though Jesus had already been in, taken in, at some point along the way he could have repented to Jesus, but if he didn't have that chance, could have waited until he came back from the other side, and Jesus could have been pleasantly surprised that Judas was alive, but he wasn't. So there's a chance, church, always a chance to come out of that spirit of deception. But we have to learn how the spirit of deception works. And we have to understand that it is God's will that none should perish. Amen? He should have gone to Jesus. First John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, chapter 1, verse 9, and just to forgive us of all of our sins. But what's the key? If we confess our sins. That's the key. And when we do that, he's not ever going to say, nope, that's too much. That You've gone too far. He's never done that. He never will. If we confess it, he'll forgive it. Isn't that what his word says? Is anybody thankful for that? Last verse, Acts 3, 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. We should be refreshed tonight to know where we should be if the spirit of deception would have got us. And tonight, as we close and we open up these altars, there's lots of different things we got to do. We got to watch ourselves. We got to examine ourselves. We got we got to be careful. We got to pray for those who are being deceived. We got to try to reach out. And we got to try to encourage people that they can come back. But more than anything, we got to realize the key is self-examination. Lord, is it me? And if it is, I'm sorry. 
Genuine repentance. Genuine repentance. What is genuine repentance? It means you don't do it again. It means you turn and you go the other direction. Lord, I thank you for your word. I don't know if you preach to anybody else, but you preach to me tonight. I'll receive this word. I thank you for this word. I recognize tonight the spirit of deception that is so rampant in this world right now. And Lord, what I have to do is keep my eyes on you. That's why you said that you're the author and the finisher of my faith. Lord, that when and if a wrong attitude comes, a wrong motive, a wrong spirit begins to get in me, Lord, hopefully I'll be in church listening to the Word of God and not staying home doing something else. Hopefully I'll recognize that I'm drifting away from the will of God. Hopefully I'll hear the Holy Spirit that's talking to me and telling me, stop, you're in danger, turn around, come back. Because the Spirit of the Lord is dealing with people right now, people that you're thinking of, people that, that unfortunately, sadly, aren't listening to this podcast like they should be, that are out doing their own thing right now, and they can still repent. They just don't know it. Maybe tonight, church, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you could think of some people in this church that you know don't come here anymore. And you could simply send them a text or call them and say, just come back. Jesus' arms are open. Don't try to condemn them on what they're doing. Don't try to judge them. Don't try to make everything right. Just say, Jesus' arms are wide open. Come back. And then that's all you can do. Because at the end of the day, every person makes the decision for themselves. And that's why that verse in Joshua is so powerful And we want to say it ourselves, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's individual. You can't make somebody serve God, but you can make sure you're right yourself and have the attitude of those disciples, Jesus, is it me? Every message is for me. I don't know about you, but every message is for me. I never hear a message and go, oh, that wasn't for me. Every message is for me because I want to have the right attitude and the right spirit and the right heart that God is speaking to me in every situation because he might be telling me or keeping me from something. How many all across this place, head bows, eyes closed, in reverence to God, could say right now in, in, in honest hearts, I know about the Jesus you're talking about, but I don't know him personally. Today's the day you get to know him. We don't really know if Judas really knew Jesus. And he never made that effort to have a relationship. Or if he at some point did and slowly faded away. All we know is how he ended up. But the most important part is he had opportunities to turn back. And he even halfway did it. Don't half repent tonight. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Maybe you're here and you grew up in church. You've got a head knowledge that is so strong, but it's not a heart knowledge. They say there's a big difference in salvation. It's like 13 inches from your head to your heart. It's not about what you know in your heart, your head. It's about who lives in your heart. That verse said, don't you know that Christ is in you? 
tonight, honest hearts, maybe watching online, listening on the podcast, here in this place, what if you could, what if, what if Judas could go back to that night? What if he had an opportunity like we do right now to go back and stand up and say, Jesus, I am so sorry, I messed up. Tonight, if that's you, confess it, repent of it. Or at the very least right now, admit that you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life. How many in this place could say, that's me. I'm not ready tonight. I'm not saved. I want to have a real personal relationship with Jesus. Just put your hand up and put it back down all over this place quickly. Put it up and put it down. I want to have that relationship. I don't have it. I see your hand. I see your hand. How many more? All over this place, I see your hand. Young or old, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get into heaven. I was witnessing to a lady today, and she said, oh, my dad knows the Bible back and forth. I said, you can't go to heaven. She was an older lady, 250s, 60s. I don't know, but I, I said, you can't go to heaven on your grandpa's knowledge or your dad's knowledge of the Bible. you got to know Jesus for yourself. She said, you're right. You can't get into heaven off somebody else's knowledge. It's you and God. Let's stand all over this place tonight. If you tonight don't really know him, what if tonight was it? I don't say that to scare you. What if tonight's the last night you ever hear the gospel? Think about it. Think about how, how careful we have to be that Jesus, sorry, Judas was in the physical presence of Jesus. If we feel the Spirit right now calling us, what do you think Judas felt that night? But something inside of him deceived him, caused him to think that he couldn't confess. Could have been pride. Could have been worry of what Jesus would do. Or, I don't know, he might not have even thought about it because he didn't have the right heart in the place. I don't know. The truth is, at some point in his life, there's no way he could have been in the presence of Jesus for three and a half years and not know him. I don't want to be a Judas. I don't want to be a betrayer, ever. And so again, this is not a, a series of condemnation. It's a series of let's not be everybody else. Because the truth is, Jesus predicted it because he knows it's going to happen. All we can do now is say, Lord, don't let it be me. I want to be ready and watching and waiting when I breathe my last breath, quickly, if you raised your hand and you want to say a prayer with me of salvation tonight, just step out to that nearest aisle. If you raised, or if you didn't, and, but you sense in your heart, I need to go tonight. I need to repent. Just come, quickly, all over this place. Just step out. Just come down. Come on, quickly, just step out. Don't wait. Don't wait for somebody else. Just come. How many more? Come on. I'm going to wait just a moment. We're going to pray with you online as well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You, are you half coming? Come on. Come on. You stepped out. There's some. That's okay. I'm right here with you. I'm right here. God knows. God loves you. Just stay looking at me. You don't have to look at them. Amen. We're not, we're not here to embarrass you. We're, just, we're here to help each other. Amen. That's the thing we do sometimes. We're like, if, you're, if you make the slightest step, just go. That night, Judas might have been just almost ready to stand up and say, Lord, it's me. 
could have been forgiven. Let's pray tonight. Lord Jesus, I seek your forgiveness because you're a God that forgives. You're a God of mercy and grace. I believe your word, everything you said. You said if you believe in me, though he were dead, he shall live. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I believe that, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And tonight I ask you to wash me clean. Make me a new creation. Today I'm giving you my life, and I'm never going to take it back. I surrender to you. I'm yours. Use me. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And from this day forward, to the best of my ability, I'm going to live for you and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.